This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only, and it is not meant for substitution or replacement of professional medical or health advice. This podcast may contain explicit language, taboo topic, controversial ideas, and triggering points of view. So we invite you to respect what is being shared, even if you don't agree. If you resonate with anything is being shared in today's show, please feel free to apply it into your own life. If not, we invite you to let it go. Welcome to the Mastering Life, Relationship and Intimacy podcast with Lucia Gabriela, a sacred space which means it's free of judgment, where we come together to learn and explore how to awaken, unleash, and unlock our inner master self. These podcasts feature experts in topic of life, relationship, and intimacy. In life, we will explore topics on health, wellness, nutrition, fitness, yoga, and spirituality. In relationship, we'll explore topics on self-love, being single, dating, online dating, romantic partnership, marriage, uncoupling, divorce, parenting, polyamory, family and work relationship, and money. In intimacy, we'll explore topics on tantra, secret sexuality, eros, conscious adult entertainment, kink, and BDSM. I am your host, Lucia Gabriela, a relationship and intimacy coach, integrative somatic therapist, tantra facilitator, speaker, co-author, and founder at Nuna Holistic Retreat Center in Sarasota, Florida, where we offer integrated therapists for individuals and couples to awaken, reignite, and embrace their true power. To learn more about any of my transformational coaching and somatic experiences, immersion weekend, and couples retreat, go to www.luciagabriela.com. And today's episode is about how to create a passionate partnership with Dr. Gary Soldier. Dr. Gary Soldier is a master transformational relationship coach who helps people rewrite the rules for love in their brains. This allows amazing shifts to happen in a very short period of time so that people can have the extraordinary relationship they deserve. Dr. Gary is the creator of the Safe to Love Again workshop and the Extraordinary Couples Retreat. He is the author of the forthcoming book, Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationship and Create the Love You Deserve. You can learn more about Dr. Gary at www.garysoldier.com. So welcome, Dr. Gary. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucia. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So today's conversation is about how to create a passionate partnership. And for some of you, you may uh, remember Dr. Gary. He was in another amazing uh, interview that we had that talked about safe to love again, how to release the pain of past relationship and create the love you deserve, where he gave incredible um, tips and also the GPS for love. So if you have not listened to that podcast, you have to go back and listen to it. So having that background uh, with Dr. Gary in our show, I'm really excited to have you again. Uh, 
in this episode talking about passionate partnership, which is a favorite conversation. Um, and, and that's pretty much what everybody out there or couples are looking for. Like, you know, many times they say, you know, I have, yeah, we have a good stack, great stacks. We have read all the books, uh, all the positions and all the tools and we <laughs> have all the tools, but still something's missing and they just don't know what is missing. So really excited to co-create this, um, interview with you today, Dr. Gary. Well, I am, I am happy to be here. Uh, and just to let anybody that hasn't heard the, the new GPS for love is, uh, I've pointed out in my book that what tells your brain your love since your time you're one are four key feelings. And these feelings are welcomed with joy, worthy and nourished out of your needs and that, uh, cherished and protected and empowered with choice. So if you're in a relationship and you want to know whether it's going good or not, you just ask, how welcome do I feel? How worthy do I feel? How cherished and empowered? And you got all four and you're giving all four. It's pretty good. So that's your GPS. And a lot of people, though, we're really talking about the right for passion and partnership. You know, and uh, for some people, it's not. I remember the first time I ever did a, a tantric workshop myself. Uh, and I mean, my first impression was this was, you know, 20 some years ago. It was like, wow, who knew that two people in a wearing blender could even do that? <laughs> you know, uh, and, but it was all about the art of conscious lovemaking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, passion and intimacy and pleasure all in the same great package. And so often we, we, uh, we, we forget about the intimacy, we forget about the pleasure, we forget about the partnership that's, that underlies all of it, you know. And we've got to have intimacy and pleasure and partnership. There has, because, uh, you know, the human being, we're, we're different than all the other mammals. We need a connection too. But because of our mirror neurons and our advanced brain, we want someone to see inside of us. We want someone to know how we feel. And that's intimacy. It's called theory of mind. We want someone to step into our mind and our life and our heart and to know us. That's not as the dog and the cat, even if they're bonding with their kittens or their puppies, they're not asking quite the same thing. We have a need for intimacy. And if we don't have that in our partnership, we feel lonely. Uh, we feel lost. And something feels off. So that's kind of where we're going at today. And how do we get passion and partnership all in the same great package? Because some people don't have it, don't have a right for all that. Yes, and this is definitely uh, the conversation that we must have. It's like the big giant elephant in the room that in the relationship everybody knows about, but nobody want to talk about it, right? Like the yes. aspect of the lack of intimacy, the lack of of that connection, the lack of that uh, depth is not there and, and people just um, reaching out. So yes. this podcast is for you if you would desire to bring more amazing, passionate intimacy in, into your life and into your relationship. So we were talking about you know, some cases that people go in relationship for like 20, 30 years and they don't have intimacy. Why do you think Dr. Gary could be some of the causes of that? 
Well, for for me, uh, when I, this is like one aspect of what I write. Uh, oh, there was one woman I wrote about in the book, uh, and she's just one example of it. But we'll start off there. I talk about a, uh, in the book when you have these four feelings. The fifth feeling it gives you is lovable. When you feel welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered, you feel lovable and loving. So when you get those four feelings, it gives you a full right to love and be loved. Now, this right can get split where I have more right to love you, but not as much to be loved. You see that quite a bit, uh, especially in women, more right to love than to be loved back. Uh, occasionally, you'll see it reverse. I have more right to be loved versus to love you. That's your classic narcissist, right? Um, and then the other way this this right gets split, and it comes on, it first starts about age three. first starts between two and three. But when a baby is first learning uh, as a toddler, whether they're being the full permission slip to be sensual, where they start touching themselves and things like that. So, And they're just learning. They're noticing, oh, mom and dad are different. And, you know, they're getting that feeling of whether it's okay to be a sensual being in the world. And sometimes it gets split before I can be loved, but I can't be sensual. Now, later on, hopefully not for a three-year-old, but later on when Mother Nature turns on the hormones, then it becomes sexual. Uh, now, uh, one client, she came to me, and I, in the first session, she puts her handbag on the couch, and she sits where couples usually sits. And she looks beside her, like, for all the reasons, all the world, she wished her partner was there. And then she looks up to me and she goes, I can't let my partner know this. And she begins to tell me, she goes, she's a happily married woman of 15 years. Beautiful, three beautiful children, beautiful home. She goes, I love my husband John dearly. She goes, and I can't, he's my best friend, but I just can't let it loose with him. And there's nothing wrong with him. Most women would enjoy him. He does everything I ask. But I just can't enjoy. This is the key word, the enjoy part. He says, and as a result, for 15 years, I've been having an affair every six months. Never for more than a week or two. We just hook up four or five times. And then I get back to being a wonderful mother. But I just can't let it loose. And, this is and she goes, and if I don't fix this. It's going to destroy everything that I value. And then she just weeps uncontrollably. When we go back, and I talk about these these rights and these feelings, right? Her mother and father didn't have a close relationship. And her father never did anything inappropriate. But he was closer to his daughter, a daddy's girl, because he just, that happens a lot, doesn't have to be inappropriate, but because he wasn't really well connected with intimacy with his wife. And he enrolls her in a, a beauty pageant, gets her a nice red dress. And, of course, mom is very jealous. So what she learns and is, at first with the jealousy, is love is a zero-sum game. If I'm loved by mom, I'm a dad, I'm not loved by mom. So now you've got to hedge your bets on how loved I can be. This is the template, the permission slip that she's in. But something even more tragic happened was when... She would come home from the from the pageant, and she was a very pretty girl. She's a very pretty woman. Um, she's uh, the mother would look at her and say, 
Did you enjoy, Daddy? Did you enjoy, Daddy? And what she learned was, and eventually she began to shut it down, I can't enjoy a man that I love. That was the template. It wasn't an accident if she said, I can't turn it loose, I can't enjoy him. We had to go back and give her a right to enjoy a man who loves you. And then, of course, all, you know, everything changed in the bedroom, so much so that we had to bring him in, uh, update him. At first, he was, like, really, really upset. Of course, what, my, what partner wouldn't if you find out there's been affairs going on? But one of the interesting he said, he says, he says, actually, this makes sense because he was every bit the loving partner. He, within a session or two, he got it. He says, he told me privately, he says, I always wondered why there was such a look of sadness on her face when we made love. And it was always there if you could see it, the sadness in her eyes. She goes, he says, and he says, now it's like totally different. The last words he said to me was walking out the door. He, he gets about five feet out, turns back, and he says, I'm really going to enjoy the next 15 years. <laughs> you know. We had put passion and partnership back in. Now, that's just one example of how passion and partnership. She had a great partnership with this guy, and he really was a wonderful man. She just had no permission for passion to be in the same uh, package as loved. So, a lot of times you hear, if you've ever heard a single person, usually it's single, you'll hear this, sometimes married, they'll say, how come all the good ones and the hot ones can't be together? The moment you hear someone say, how come the good ones and the hot ones can't be together? You can almost bank that this right to love and be loved, this feeling of lovable has been split somewhere. That somewhere, passion and partnership, love and, and sexuality or sensuality uh, has been split. Uh, the template, the permission slip. She was only given a permission slip for love, but you had to pull back and you couldn't enjoy it. Oh, Amen. Hmm. That's... that's yeah, isn't that an amazing story? Yes, and and it's like I love that um, you know when people talks about exploring what's holding couples from living that delicious, incredible, yummy, delicious, juicy relationship, that intimacy, right? And I like to use the words yep. because. Words of power, right? I do believe that words of power, especially the, the energy yes. that goes in them. Yes. And um, when you you were talking about the experience, uh, also brings back to, you know, how many times we don't, you know, helping individuals to heal, uh, to heal their sexuality mm -hmm. and to heal their uh, arousal, to heal the lack of orgasm to heal the erection issues and all that stuff is it's not much related to the physical part of the individual it has like it's, it's you know from my experience and i don't know if you dr gary have seen this but from what i think i'm hearing in your book itself too is it's 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 more deep than just the physical when we address sexuality it's, it's that aspect of our childhood it also yes. involves, you know, how we were raised, how we were raised 
and you know around taboo conversation about sexuality you know one of the things that even though i talk about in my relationship uh that yes i grew up in a toxic environment home where it was abusive and mostly emotional abuse um but I had the blessing, I have another blessing in, with my parents that I grew up in a family where everybody walked naked. <laughs> and <laughs> we were in the same bed where my dad was naked. And and it was just normal. It wasn't like sexualized. And it wasn't like took out of contact. We were human beings. And, you know, everybody was just natural. <laughs> so, so thank God, you know, I had that growing up because... It was it was really powerful for me to um and it was a blessing because I didn't develop those kind of like um you know uh patterns or template about sexuality um and how it's important for us to go back into our childhood and see like okay what other aspects uh, are holding us back from really being in intimate connection with with ourselves because sometimes I don't know in you know, if you have experienced it, but sometimes couples, when they get together and they start exploring things about themselves, like when the conversation about the parenting, like how they were raised and things like that, um, sometimes just by tapping into that, the whole relationship get better because they get to understand themselves. Yes. And it's not them. It was a pattern created. It is. And, and we, these patterns are learned early. And Whenever I'm working with couples, there's a lot of things. The first thing I'm always checking out is the quality of the marital friendship. Uh, you can't, the rookie mistake if you're, uh, is to try to fix the problem before you fix the friendship. That's first off. And, um, and the, the other thing that's really important is to know that these permission slips, like you talked about, they always show up on our body. Uh, the brain and the body. These, these rights I talk about, there's always a, a physically embodied aspect. Uh, like, for instance, the right to have your needs met. The right to have your needs met. If you're, if you're, if it's not safe to reach out as a child or later on, your body will literally tighten up your shoulder muscles so that you, it physically hurts to reach out. It's trying to protect you from reaching out. One client I work with, had no right to have her needs met. So much so that she was constantly choosing married men. Even when she was trying desperately not to, she goes, my picker, she just complained when she goes, I don't know what's wrong with my picker. It's She goes, it's my mortal enemy. Even when I'm trying to find out if, the, if they somehow wind up being married. Now, she had no right to have her needs met. You're not going to get a lot of your needs met when you're pairing off with married men because a lot of them, they're giving their needs to their family. What was really interesting is all since she was nine, she was dealing with anemia all the time. Uh, and the doctors just couldn't get, it was a perpetual battle with her and being anemic. Doctors were baffled why her body just didn't quite seem to absorb the nutrients well enough. And within... About four months of us working together on her right to have her needs met. She walked in one day. She goes, I don't know what's happened. She goes, but I no longer need my medications. She goes, I'm no longer anemic. Her body, as long as she didn't have, was mirroring, I can't ask for my needs. I won't take my needs. 
And the moment we gave her back our rights, suddenly her body suddenly had a right to absorb minerals. The mm -hmm. body is always mirroring. For sexuality, when you see people who are really uptight and they're very tight in their pelvic areas, and we, we, you'll see it, that that person looks uptight. That's how the, the right, it's protecting that pelvic area. Uh, and so all of these rights actually show up physically, either cellular, especially with musculature. You can tell when someone has a, a missing right and they don't feel worthy or welcomed uh, by the way it shows up. And so it's really important for couples to be able to have this passion and, and partnership together because to be quite honest with you, sex is, and sensuality is the, it's the canary in the mine shaft for couples. Mm -hmm. uh, too many couples get used to, well, you know, we get intimate once or twice um, uh, you know, once a month or not every other month, and there's there's a high percentage of couples. This is not how. This is not the lifeblood of a couple. This must be full-blown intimacy, psychologically, where I know her 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 vulnerabilities and she knows mine, and we turn these enduring vulnerabilities into endearing vulnerabilities with each other. Instead of being like, oh, there it is, that's our trips again, but that's his trips. We learn to go, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, how can I help them feel more worthy? That that shows up sometimes, you know. Uh, and sometimes protecting our beloved from our own missing rights. Hey, just because I don't feel worthy doesn't mean I can't meet her needs, right? So that's there's that form of intimacy and vulnerability, but there's also something magical and wonderful about the beautiful sensuality that we have. We, we're, we're born into a sensual universe. Mm -hmm. Babies are held and kissed and hugged, and we need, we need what's called comfort, contact comfort in attachment studies. We are born with that need, and we live and die without it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes. I had so yes. many points that I love that you talk about. Um, definitely that I love the quality of marital friendship is really... It's really important uh, to look into that when you're in a relationship. And you brought up my favorite topic, which is um, the aspect of somatic, like bringing the aspect of the mind, body, emotions, energy connected through the whole body. It's like, I love this. It's that sometimes I feel that if we could just learn to read I understand uh, a partner's body posture, body language, you know, the energy that they um, that they are you know, expressing. It would be um, good for us when we come together in relationship and intimacy because sometimes I feel like, and I see many times, uh, couples don't really understand the cues or they don't see the cues of the body language. And no. They, they don't. don't. <laughs> they don't. Like, I, I have a, a couple um, where, you know, the girl, you know, misunderstanding at the beginning of the relationship. And then the girl was saying, like, hey, buddy, here I am here for you. Uh, just let go of the one aspect of infidelity, uh, even before they got together um, mm -hmm. as boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, but there were confusion. You can see from a different perspective that it was not clear 
you know, getting yeah. into a relationship today, if you're going to see boyfriend or girlfriend, you got to be clear. <laughs> you know, what is the commitment yes. here, right? Yeah. So, uh, you can say the, you can tell the girl what it really into the person and, and this other person, he was like, not really reading the cue that, hey, I'm letting go of this. Like, I am here to create, you know, would you something amazing? But the other person was having this resistance in there, in yeah. his body. And, and so he was not in tune with the cue that she was really into him. Like, she was, like, grabbing yeah. the leg and just, like, not, you know, like, cuddling with him. And he was just like, but I still want to address this. And I was like, you're not really, really reading, reading what your partner's saying. Like, energetically, physically, her body's telling you one thing. Why, please understand and learn to read that. Learn to yes. tap into that. And uh, it's really at some important. level, At some level, his brain read it perfectly, but it wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. At some level... His brain learned, remember the last time I got touched? Or whatever. You know, or it was safer being away and distant. <clears throat> um, now, when a man doesn't respond to that sort of touch, it's because it's not safe with him. Well, it's, he was he <coughs> wasn't safe and we had to address that uh in in, in different dynamic because it, it you what you know, he wasn't safe in the aspect that he was very vulnerable. Yes. And for a man to be very vulnerable, sometimes it's not feeling safe. And and sometimes it's, it's so, it's, this is my, what I like to share with everyone. It's like, I feel like vulnerability is power. And yes. for everyone to be invited to recognize that your vulnerability actually invites more of what you desire in your life in an aspect of, you know, if yeah. you, you open, because it shows that you open, you open perspective, you open minded. And if you don't feel safe, um, there's so much that we have to work and address there. Because sometimes it's not about the, the place, but sometimes it's like the, um, we did an exercise where he can feel, feel himself that he, he was getting into that breakthrough. And all of a sudden he felt like, boom, he didn't feel like, oh, push you know pull back and it's just a it's a process but definitely is uh it's important uh back to the point is to learn to understand the cues and yes you're absolutely uh, right on this is you don't feel safe so if your partner doesn't feel safe and you can understand it you know understand that i'm always about inviting conversation over like okay do you feel safe here now that's what i did on my part but that's another story to tell. But as a tool, um, yes. what you just mentioned, it's really important to act to partner. Uh, if the bot, you know, if they don't, if they don't respond, ask the question. Yeah, and for most women, they need to feel safe, and they need to feel attuned to, and they need to feel connected. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about this thing between passion and partnership, a lot of men don't understand the role of connection all day that allows women to feel safe enough to be intimate. There's been studies that show that when men don't give a kiss, a really nice kiss, you know, for like six seconds and snuggle uh, when they first, without sex, in the mornings, in the evenings, 
uh, and they do something to connect, like a text or just a call in. When when men initiate connection, seventy five percent of the time in the evening, or maybe in the afternoon, uh, their their sexual advances will be met with a yes. But if they are if they don't offer that connection of kisses and a little connection, uh, it drops to six percent of the time. Mm-hmm. That the so the the smart man who wants you know there really is a truth that uh, that foreplay is all the day and and connection and attunement uh, 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 when a partner knows you know you you can feel how they feel this is what creates passionate partnership it's the quality of the friendship all day long that supports the passion and you have to so you have to realize passion and friendship um, go together uh, marriage is the ultimate friends with benefits in the best of possible ways it's got commitment you know and uh, I say that in a kind of a play off the other use of the term <laughs> so to speak uh, but uh, there really must be a beautiful friendship and sexuality and sensual is merely two beautiful friends who know the gift of pleasure and intimacy with each other that's that's what the best moment for a passionate partnership is you know and then your body becomes a conduit of intimacy i think that's that's and that's the all the best marriages have that so one of the other um insight uh, a keyword that i love that you mentioned was endearing uh, vulnerability um mm-hmm. like i mentioned before coming from my background i love i love um, the aspect of vulnerability i feel like vulnerability is power and vulnerability open up the doors to infinity within ourselves and with everyone out there so it's like we open we still have boundaries of course but mm-hmm. is this this flow this joy uh, running through us and le- yeah let's talk more about that because i feel like one of the things that hold back uh, a lot of couples like we were talking about the example with uh, the couples that was working on the aspect of feeling vulnerable i feel like Sometimes um, beyond gender or sex, uh, when people feel that uh, the wall about opening up, like they don't, they don't want to be vulnerable because it will be like, you know, if I'm vulnerable, like he's gonna take advantage of me, she's gonna take advantage of me, um, they're gonna be using all who I am against me, and yes. it can be very. I can say that it's a very um, reasonable fear to have to be this open. I, I have experience in my own personal life, even now with with my ex-husband and course staff and all that stuff. Like here I am, I'm very open and yes. I'm very vulnerable, right? And yes. it's a fear, like actually that is not a fear anymore because actually it's happening. Like using everything against me, myself against me is like. Okay, how much vulnerable can I be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And 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 we and it's not just um we shut ourselves and they said this specific area of my life, but then 
from this experience, this traumatic experience, because it's traumatic to me, uh, where in other areas of my life, even with my partner, right, my intimate partner, I will be shutting myself mm -hmm. down because they're like, hey, here I am having a bad experience with this person, and all of a sudden creating patterns or templates, right, that yes. would shut me down everywhere else. So what will be your conversation on that? Because I feel like vulnerability is really powerful. All of us want to be seen. None of us, there's no child that says, I want to be invisible. And, and in a partnership, uh, you're going to get seen. The, your partner is going to find all of your, you know, your foibles and things. And we all have wounds. And the thing about partnership and love is we choose somebody and we have that initial fantasy that this person is going to heal all of my wounds, all of my vulnerability. The word vulnerability comes from the Latin word uh, for wound, by the way. Mm. It's, a, you know, it's about our woundedness. We all have them, you know. And, but the thing is, is we often pick someone because or you know, that will actually wound us in the very way that we've been wounded. Or we're so sensitive to it that we see a wound even when they didn't mean it, you know. So how we, we navigate each other's wounds is hugely important. Like, because I came from a family with, uh, uh, where I was never seen. Never seen meaning when my, I was, my mother was expecting a girl uh, when I was born. And my Aunt Evelyn told me I was, I was dressed in pink for six months. But she also told me when I was 15, and this explained many, many things, was that my mother was so disappointed that she had a girl that she refused to name me at the hospital. And three weeks later, the state of Ohio had to send state troopers to say, ma'am, you need to name your son. And when she refused on the porch, they said, you either name him now or we'll take you to a place and let you sit there until you figure it out. <laughs> now, that's not exactly what. So there's a huge need for me to be seen and to feel unique. I have a huge, it's not an accident that my book is a new, unique theory of attachment. It's not an accident because unique is what I do. Uh, I want to be seen just for who I am. If my partner doesn't get that, and sometimes, you know, I have to watch it, you know, I mean, you know, that need, it's not that she has to see every unique thing, but it, I feel loved if she sees that, that core wound and understands that core need. The trick is that we can understand each other's woundedness in a way that they stop being enduring, that we're going to endure this vulnerability, this wounded, and they become endearing to us. Then we can really step in and go, oh, that's how the little one got wounded. And we help heal each other. Not in a, in a, uh, in a horribly therapy, we're not each other's therapists, but by holding space for each other. And, and, and allowing each of us to grow in a way. Because we also have to protect our spouse from our woundedness too. There are times that I have to say, no, just because she didn't catch that doesn't mean she did anything wrong, <laughs> right? That's important for us. So how we manage our wounds, that's the whole core. That's, that's the whole point of vulnerability and intimacy. And great couples value, understand, and cherish and protect each other's core wounds. And we all have them. There's nobody that gets out of Dodge without it. And it's really about... <clears throat> 
expressing and feeling safe so that we can grow beyond those vulnerabilities. Um, but uh, you show me a marriage that doesn't manage the core wounds well, and I'll show you an unhappy couple. That's uh, that's the key. And when there's vulnerability, there is something beautiful. Uh, I think that, and that's when the whole intimacy opens up. So. Yeah. Could you repeat again the aspect of like great couples know how to protect, cherish the core wound? Yes, great couples know how to acknowledge and and understand and and cherish and protect each other's core wounds. Hmm. Uh, they are the the couples research would put it a different way. Great couples are good at self-soothing and soothing the other person. Mm. We all get into reactive states. Anybody gets close to your core wound, and it's either defenses or fight or flight response. This is deadly to marital, you know, dynamics. So, how do I calm myself? And the real masters are really great at calming the other person, at knowing just how to say the thing that calms them down versus when flying. Uh, gasoline on the top. So if somebody has uh, uh, a miss, uh, a missing right to have their needs met, and they're getting a little edgy because you you didn't uh, remember to take this tea bag up, you know, uh, the 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 poor person, the the poor uh, spouse would say, well, there, you know, this is such a small thing. Why are you harping to me on that? Right? That will evade and shut down intimacy. Whereas a smart partner goes, you know, you're right. And I uh, and I forgot, you know. So I will do better next time. Mm -hmm. And then you can just, you know, and or you can say, you know, that was thoughtless of me. You are so much more. You're my little bag of tea and a cup. So you could say something corny like that, right? <laughs> so um, uh, it's important to know. Or you just, or you notice something and you say, so you know, what's going on? Because it sounds like you're feeling disconnected, and if I've done something, let me know, because I don't want you to feel that. Mm. Those, those are the moments. Uh, uh, if you're in an argument, it's okay. One of my greatest lines uh, that I've taught couples is, if something's going on and you're not soothing each other, you can simply say to the other and have an agreement where both of you say, can you simply say that like someone who loves me? You have a pre-existing agreement that if you're talking and the other one one is feeling triggered and doesn't feel loved, the, the other one, the one says, can you say that like someone who would love me? And the other one has a contact, and, oh, I'm not saying this in a loving way. How can I say it better? Mm -hmm. Instead of it yeah. going on until you, they wounded each other. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And mm -hmm. what this has to do with sex a lot, <laughs> because <laughs> it's... Is it if you don't know how to create a safe space and container uh, for the relationship to have that deep connection, that deep intimacy, and if you don't care or don't even intend to navigate or manage uh, your own wound and your partner's wound, you're not going to have the connection that you desire because it is true. I, I do feel and I see, especially. Uh, working with myself um, 
deeply when it comes to sexuality is is that many times you know um let's say you know i will give excuses to my partner of like well i'm not in the mood today because i'm dealing with a lot triggers right now <laughs> so if my partner doesn't respect that you know like talking about sharing acknowledging understanding protect you know if he doesn't respect that it's not i'm not gonna feel safe i'm not gonna feel like being seen i'm not gonna feel being hurt and we know that we address in those triggers right um yes. that's really important and i feel like um the trigger is it's what let you see what that wound is about right it's like yeah. the trigger the wound are like close to each other because are the triggers the action the interaction the emotion the feeling that will activate the wound that it may have not been healed at all and let you see what's happening so really important to learn how to navigate that how to manage it you yeah. own and also to acknowledge that i feel like the acknowledgement from a partner you know partner a perspective a point of view the acknowledging from their side is really really uh, important and create a safety that we all look for what creates passion and partnership is lots and lots of attuned responses all day. If that, if that's the case, you know, and um, my partner says I'm really feeling stressed, I may offer a, a hug that's non-sexual, right, and say, "What can I do to take some of that stress off?" Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can still remember uh, uh, in my marriage um, before we divorced. One day she came home, she was a school teacher, and she was, her parents were dying, uh, and she was under that stress, and it was finals week, and she was a math teacher. And she started crying. And, she, and I said, what? She goes, I've got all this stuff to do with my parents, and I've got to grade paper, these math finals, and I don't have time. And so I gave her a hug, and now my PhD is not in math. I hated math. And I looked and I said, what, what math is it? She goes, algebra. I said, just normal algebra? <laughs> she, goes, I, she goes, yeah. I said, tell you what, I'll grade your papers for you. And if I have any questions, I'll come. And, and she goes, oh my God, no. And that, I spent four hours that night. I, and I had, I, and, you know, I had stuff. I was teaching a college class, and I had stuff, and I just, I said, I'm, tonight, that doesn't matter, you know. And I, I rated her papers, and I hadn't looked at math in decades. <laughs> Is this what goes on here? Yes. You know, checked in with her. That's, now, that's what creates. Now, you think she would feel more amorous later on. Yes, and now you don't do it for that reason. But without it, she's not got the cherished and protected mm -hmm. you know and you do it because you love them and this is what opens up her i didn't say oh my god you know uh look at all these feelings like i've heard some men say uh who wouldn't have felt overwhelmed in that instance so you're always looking for ways to attune to and for and for, if there's any men listening to this uh the best way to attune to a woman is to just listen to her feelings without trying to fix her. 
you know, no fix, just feelings. Just all she wants to know is that you get her feelings, and this creates connection. Uh, but all of this, you know, we forget. I mean, this is the the magic of that of that statistic I quoted. It's it's the quality of the marital friendship. Seventy percent of both men and women say what determines happiness in marriage is the same thing. It's the friendship. So what separates the men who get 6% yeses versus 75% yeses are the men who manage the connection, who, who no longer turn endearing, enduring vulnerabilities to endearing this. And I mean by enduring vulnerabilities, we've tracked couples for 20 and 30 years and we know that 69% of the time they are arguing and disagreeing on the same things from newlywed to 20 years later. The only thing that separates the masters from the disasters is how well they can they can, can dialogue on it, keep their connection alive. So those 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 enduring vulnerabilities have to be turned into endearing ones. That's my beloved award. That's her world. How can I support? How can I support his his world? We all have it, and it's not easy. And it's and but the the difference between the a really great partnership that has passion and partnership are how we manage these little these little moments. You know. Mm -hmm. So it's all the same thing. You know, it's just a continuum. Intimacy, vulnerability, passion, they're all in the same mix together. Not separate. Yeah. Beautiful. So you have given us great resources, um and I say these are resource because it's it's an aha moment. It's like a resource. <laughs> so it's like the breakthrough. Um, it's a resource and understanding, acknowledging, cherishing, and protecting our core wound, our relationship. You know. So how do you? Um, what would be a practical example of managing? the core wound of your partner because for some people it can seem very um you know something more practical that we can bring it home okay uh, uh like an, an actual example an uh, actual okay. example okay all right um for one couple let's go back uh a couple that she always wanted to belong but the moment because she never got really a chance to belong as a kid. Mom was alcoholic. Dad had some mental issues. The best place, the safe place, was to withdraw. When there's mental illness, not belonging is a good thing. Because if you belong, you could get sucked into that. So, but yet there was a part that would look at other children and go, well, come I didn't get cuddly, mom and dad. So you want to belong, but some part goes, oh, remember the last time I belonged? Right? <laughs> now, in their marriage, whenever there would be the least amount of friction, she would withdraw. Right? Now, he could get triggered, and he, he was really good. Or, his, he could say, oh, that's that core wound. And he, and we, so she, we allowed her to, to go away for 10 or 15 minutes to soothe herself, and then she needed to come back and say, okay, how do we connect on this? He had to stop taking it personal and realize, and then, then she 
had to get away and says, you know, I can't allow my 11-year-old my inner girl inside of me to be running this relationship. And she would go talk to her little 11-year-old and say, look, I get you're afraid, but I'm not going to let you treat my beloved this way. <laughs> you know, and so when the two of them, and of course, what we had at first was two, you know, 10-year-olds reacting to each other. But when we got them to be able to notice, oh, we've got two wounded 10-year-olds in the room in this marriage. And now how do the adults show up and protect each other from them, but also comfort them? That's the art of, 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 of how to, a real couple does it, is they, 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 they talk about it, they give each other some space, but they also come back and work on it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you have to know when your wounded child is in the room because they never talk very well with your partner. Mm-mm-mm. They can act very well with her. Um, you know, and uh, I, you know, I know for me, uh, I tend to be righteous and right mm-hmm. because I found out early. Uh, I call these identity castles. We have these little identity castles we build yes. and we try to protect ourselves. And, and identity castles are, are not what really great partnerships and marriages are made of. Mine is, now my, my borderline mother, I learned something in high school. That if I could get really, really super logical, it would confuse her. <laughs> and when she would get confused, I wouldn't get beat. Mm. So getting really, really logical intellectual was my salvation wow it, ha- it hasn't worked so so well with other women <laughs> we're just pointing out that 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 15 year old move is not is not what a loving spouse is and he, he wanted to be and you had to be found right because if you lost that argument back there you could get beat so you had to be right mm-hmm. now being right is is one of the losing strategies. You can be, I often have to tell couples, you can be right or you can be in a relationship, which isn't. Hmm. We argue to be right when we will, we will tread all over the relationship. You know. Uh, so I have to watch that mouthy, intellectual little 15-year-old who really believes, after all, I'm a love expert. I just wrote a book. How wrong could I be? Right? <laughs> You know, and I, I have to real, realize that there's still that Gary who's 15, and there are no borderline mothers in my area. This is not one, and I need to protect her. So I need to come and say, okay, um, I understand what you're saying there. Tell me more about that. Hmm. Tell me what you understand. I, I love this because um, it's just. It's just something personal that, um, you know, dealing with my ex-husband and the aspect of he creating a lot of confusion, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying that it's the same scenario, but bringing more compassion into the other individual because it makes me think that, you know, creating confusion, like mental confusion in an aspect could be their way to protect themselves. The way exactly. to act that they don't feel safe, a way for them to feel, uh, of course, you know, they want to be right all the time, um, and but there's a, it's a it's a protection mechanism. A confused predator is not an, an attacking predator. That's why if you're on a, a mountain, if you're out jogging 
and you see a, a mountain lion. If you've got a jacket, you get it. You just pull the jacket up, and you look big, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. the cougar goes, "Was that? That's bigger than I thought it was. This is confusing. How big is that guy?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at that point, the cougar says, "Maybe I don't want to attack this." Confused predators don't attack. Mm. So, you know, uh, you're right. So, what? So the brain never does anything without a good, without a good intended positive outcome, even if it's dysfunctional. In this instance, you know, to confuse you meant to. So that's it. I'll confuse my partner, so I'll be safe. Mm. That's an old four or five year old trick, you know. And yeah. wouldn't we call that? Um when we come, like, I understand the aspect of defense mechanism, but when we actually do indeed constantly with awareness, mm -hmm. it, yes. it, I mean, that is, is that called gaslighting or of something? Well, it could be gaslighting if someone okay. is trying to. Gaslighting is when one person tries to tell you what your experience is in a way that's not true for you, mm -hmm. basically. I call that a missing right to, to create your own experience. Uh, but what this is all about, uh, Lucia, is the ability to really uh, notice our reactions. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm in the middle of writing the second uh, book. And, uh, you know, we have, we, we can either have reactions or we can relate to each other. Uh, when we are in these reactive modes of defensiveness or criticism mm -hmm. or withdrawal or control, okay, these are the standard ones of being right, okay, these are the standard losing strategies uh, in relationships. When we are in those, we are usually in some kind of fight or flight response. This is first consciousness. This is what comes up because we all have a reptile brain that's mm -hmm. 350 million years old and it's, and it's, it doesn't have feelings and it's not worried about, and love is above its pay grade. It's just worried about breathing the next moment. Now, we have to be able to come to a second consciousness, as uh, uh, Terry Real puts it, where we realize, oh, that's my triggered state. When mm -hmm. I say in this, uh, in another book I'm going to be writing, I don't know when it's going to come out, but it's not in this one, is we're all dealing with a, an inner zoo of a reptile, a mammal brain, a primate brain and a human brain. This is just evolution. And we have to be a really good observant inner zookeeper. Because we don't want two, most couple fights are two reptile brains with vocal cords speaking to each other. And these reptile brains will just destroy each other. We have to be able to observe that and go, wait a second, this is not, you know, the, the really conscious Lucia. This is not the this isn't the conscious Gary. This is triggered Gary. And it's mm -hmm. what makes great relationships is when you can notice the triggered states, calm them down and move to treasured states. You want to move from trigger to treasure and treasure. Uh, and you've got to notice your experience. Uh, all great couples are people who notice their experience and what they're creating in the other person. So many couples, when they get into uh, arguments, they're monitoring. You made me feel, but they're not looking at all how to make the other person feel. Mm -hmm. Real love, real partnership, is when you feel in a partnership, there's a we. And when there's a we, you're noticing the other person as much as you do yourself. My reactions are as important as hers. 
And if I'm feeling reactive, I'll bet she is too. I'll bet he is too. What are they thinking? This is the mood of the master rather than the disaster. And when that uh, and that opens the doors to all of the friendship, all of the partnership, all of the passion. Because how many I mean, how many people really want to make love after they've had a whole long fight? Not as often. You know. mm-hmm. No, not as often, especially for women, you know. Uh, so it's all these it's these managing the little moments often. That's right. My son just got married um, at 35, and when I had his post, my post was, you know, love is based on managing the little moments, not the big moments like this. But if you can manage those little moments with the four feelings of welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered, it, you know, it opens the door for all of the partnership, all of the passion. So it's actually everything about the people who want to words the sensuality, the sexuality of this. It's these moments that get between those passionate moments more often. And it's it's the back door for, for, for sensuality are these connected moments where we attune or maybe we have to reattune. Hmm. Because this, all, all relationships are we attune, then we all fall out of disattune. I mean, uh, we, and then how do we make a repair and then reattune? That's hmm. it's just it's the magic behind passionate partnerships. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for all the great uh, tips and aha moment and insight. Um, so how uh, and where our audience can go and reach out to you? Well, they can reach out to me at my website. They can pre-order the book at uh, GarySalier.com. Uh, it's called Safe to Love Again. And a lot of these things I address in there. Uh, with And there's all, and that's not only the feelings, but um, it, when I talk about a feeling later in the chapter, I always give a skill set or several. So you know what to practically, not only feel, but to do. That creates more of a sense of we and partnership and passion. But if you go to GarySalyer.com, G-A-R-Y-S-A-L-Y-E-R.com, mm-hmm. uh, there's that. There's also some other videos for my uh, love notes, but there's also pre-ordered the book. And uh, it's meant to be a practical guide. For love, uh, from uh, from crib to cradle, as I call it. Uh, from crib to couple, from crib, from crib to couple. Thank you. So, uh, yes, it's, it's really important th- to have something practical because sometimes um, too much theory it gets lost in the in the perception and the understanding. And when we do something practical, it's like, oh, great, I get this now. So yes. I, well, if I talk about cherished, I give you skill sets as well, mm. uh, so you can feel cherished for each other. You know, it's it's the doing that creates the feeling. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Gary, for being again here in today's um, episode. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you too. We're, you know, and I appreciate the work you're doing in the world. We need more lights to bring consciousness and love to the planet. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's show. And if you have enjoyed it, please subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us an outstanding review. Until next time.